0: I'm delighted to welcome a new supporting sponsor to the local government news roundup family. It's Ventio, a leading essential infrastructure services provider, redefining service excellence for communities across Australia and New Zealand. Ventia is operating at over 400 sites and with a large and diverse workforce of over 35,000. They specialise in the long-term operation, maintenance and management of critical public and private assets and infrastructure across a broad range of industry sectors. Segments, including defence and social infrastructure, infrastructure services, telecommunications and transport. For local government, Ventia specialises in the end-to-end delivery of open space management, soft and hard facilities management, street cleansing, minor capital works and much more. Ventia brings capability in whole-of-life asset management and robust use of data for better decision-making for their clients. Ventia, making infrastructure work sustainably for our communities. Head to ventia.com to find out more. Hello, it's roundup time. Coming up today, a Victorian Council Deputy Mayor and CEO resign in the same week. A disappointing reaction to a new regional hospital plan. An executive restructure unveiled at Greater Geelong. Election Day looms in Western Australia as a mayor makes an all-or-nothing play for re-election. A shire office closed while police investigate extreme threats against staff and councillors. A war of words between a Sydney mayor and the New South Wales Premier. Residents take aim at dodgy certifiers and a new New Zealand parliamentarian to do double duty as a councillor. Just some of the many local governments. Government stories getting our attention today on the Local Government News Roundup. Thank you for joining me for the podcast today. Whether you're one of our long-term listeners or one of the many new listeners discovering the show in their podcast feeds, the Local Government News Roundup is brought to you by the Victorian Local Governance Association, your councillor support network and the national broadcaster on all things local government. Heading off the Victorian roundup today and Glenelg Shire Council has received another councillor resignation the second for this term and in the same week the council CEO has said he will be stepping down in January. Firstly, Jaden Smith, who was elected in 2020 and became the Shire's youngest ever councillor at aged 25, has stepped down with immediate effect this week. He was the Deputy Mayor and arrangements to fill the extraordinary vacancy are yet to be advised. Mr Smith's resignation follows that of long-term councillor and former six-term Mayor Anita Rank in July. Her position was filled by John Northcote through a countback procedure in August. On Friday came the news that the Shire's CEO, Paul Phelan, had also resigned just two days after the resignation of Councillor Smith. In a statement issued late on Friday, the council said Mr Phelan's resignation was for personal reasons and it had been accepted at a special council meeting held earlier in the day. Mr Phelan was appointed in January this year and is expected to finish in January 2024. There's been no advice yet about acting arrangements or a recruitment process. The release of a master plan for a new $558 million regional hospital in Albury-Wodonga has been met with disappointment by Indigo Shire Council. In fact, Mayor Sophie Price said to say they are disappointed is an understatement. The plan was released on Monday, followed within days by community comment sessions. Councillor Price said in a message to the community that the plan lacks detail on the number of beds and theatres, the provision of car parking, and it says nothing about how the hospital would address the acute issue of ambulance response times. She said the council still believes a new hospital with room to expand is preferable to a redevelopment of the existing hospital, and that she agrees with views expressed by others that the Albury-Wodonga region has been let down by the New South Wales and Victorian governments on this issue. Greater Geelong's new CEO, Ali Wasty, has moved quickly to restructure the second level of the organisation, reducing the number of executive roles from five to four. Four director positions have been advertised to lead the newly formed Placemaking, City Life, City Infrastructure and Corporate Services Directorates. Three of the five previous positions have been held by interim appointments in recent months. Ms Wastey said the new executive team will be focused on delivering a culture, opportunity and vision that is expected by employees, customers and the community. Leadership advisory and executive search firm AMROP Carmichael Fisher is handling the recruitment process with applications open until the 5th of November. A collaborative initiative addressing homelessness and rough sleeping in Yarra City Council has been officially launched. Yarra Zero is a partnership with Launch Housing and CoHealth, bringing local service providers together to provide a coordinated and compassionate response to people who are sleeping rough and experiencing homelessness. The aim is functional zero homelessness in the area, which is the point where more people are moving into permanent housing than are experiencing primary homelessness. The partners will work closely with service providers, neighbouring councils and other levels of government to support the rights of all citizens to safe, secure and stable housing. A Melbourne developer who was fined for illegally clearing native vegetation on his property has been allowed to build a multi million dollar development on the same land, sparking calls for an overhaul of planning laws. The developer bought a Campbellfield property in Hume City Council in 2019 and began removing trees and native vegetation without a council permit. An estimated 1.4 hectares of vegetation was cleared, including endangered species, over a three month period. As ABC News has reported, despite a criminal conviction and $225,000 in fines, the developer was given permission by VCAT to clear the rest of the land, subdivide the block and build warehouses. Hume Mayor Joseph Hawile said Victoria's planning laws should be reassessed to ensure anyone who had engaged in misconduct was not rewarded by loopholes in the system. Tony Radick from Hunt & Hunt Lawyers told TGU this week that he sees the issue as being more about a lack of sufficient deterrence. I don't see so much what the fuss is about ultimately VCAT making a decision about development on the side. I don't think we sort of ought be making planning decisions on the basis of, you know, the character or the form of the applicant. That's not how we typically make the decisions. The key point here for me would be, Perhaps the fines aren't significant enough if they're not enough of a deterrent, but I wouldn't be suggesting that because someone has you know, committed an offence under a planning provision that subsequently they should be prohibited from undertaking a development. That issue and other stories of the week are discussed in more detail on TGU, the latest episode from VLGA Connect, which you can watch on YouTube or access through your podcast player. Monash Council has announced that Australia's newest super netball team will be based in Monash. The Melbourne Mavericks will train at the council's Waverley Netball Centre and will join the Waverley Knight Netball Association and its 400 local netball teams across junior and senior competitions. Mayor Councillor Tina Samagia said she was delighted that a team at the highest level of netball in Australia will be based in Monash, describing it as an outstanding result for sport in Monash reflective of the work to create a thriving netball hub at the Waverley Netball (laughs) Centre. Briefly, in other news, Mildura Rural City Council is hosting the region's first ever electric vehicles showcase at the Mildura Riverfront in November. The council's EV fleet will be on display and local EV drivers will be present to share their experiences. The council has committed to fully electrify its light fleet by 2030. Bull Oak Shire's innovative vodcast series, The Paddock, The Goals, has been recognised with a win in the local government category of the Victorian Resilient Australia Awards. The vodcast was a key part of the Shire's flood recovery efforts and is now in the running for a national award to be announced in November. Wyndham City has launched a fleet of four rapid response units to tackle illegally dumped rubbish and boost civic pride. The trucks will work in zones across Wyndham to ensure the removal of dumped rubbish and to clean up litter hotspots. Three of the trucks will respond to community call-outs that are logged with the customer service staff and online, while the fourth vehicle will patrol for illegally dumped rubbish. Here's a funding alert for coastal councils in Victoria. The third round of Victoria's Resilient Coast Grants Program is now open with $1 million in total funding available to safeguard the future of marine and coastal environments. The grants will help councils and land managers explore, evaluate and adapt to the risk of coastal hazards such as erosion and coastal inundation. The funding could be allocated towards improving vegetation and adapting farming practices or installing seawalls and beach nourishment. In the last round of the program, grants were awarded to help deliver works along the southwest coast, Port Phillip Bay and in Gippsland. Applications for the third round of the program close on the 17th of November. You're listening to the Local Government News Roundup with Chris Eddy. It's National Roundup time, and in honour of local government elections in Western Australia this weekend, that's where we're starting the Roundup today, the City of Bayswater Mayor, Councillor Philomena Pifferetti, has officially resigned from her position as a North Ward councillor. That resignation came this week, ahead of the weekend's elections, where Ms Pifferetti is a mayoral candidate. If she is not re-elected as mayor, she will no longer have a position on the council. The Council has advised that the council or vacancy created following Councillor Pifferetti's resignation will need to be filled through an extraordinary election to be scheduled sometime within the next four months. As Election Day arrives in WA, Perth now has revealed the top-of-mind issues for voters based on data from our friends at SnapSendSolve. There's been a flurry of pre-election activity at a number of councils to deal with dumped rubbish ahead of Saturday's poll – with rubbish and bins responsible for the largest number of incident reports from the app. Abandoned trolleys were the second most reported issue, with parking issues figuring strongly at number three, followed by graffiti and vandalism, and trees rounding out the top five. All larger local governments in WA will be required by law to live stream council meetings and to place video recordings online as part of new regulations published this week. Smaller local governments will be required at a minimum to publish audio recordings of meetings. The regulations also contain further measures to simplify financial reporting, to cut red tape and reduce complexity, and to enable local governments to reimburse the education expenses of council members for any course that is relevant to their role as a council member. Local Government Minister David Michaels said work is continuing on the delivery of further reforms, including the new local government inspector and monitors. A small council office in Gingen Shire on WA's turquoise coast has been closed to the public in the wake of disturbing graffiti threatening harm to councillors and staff. According to an ABC News report, a number of road signs around the Shire were defaced with threats described by Shire President Wayne Fruster as extreme and nasty. Police are investigating the matter and it was hoped the Shire office at Lancelin could be reopened in time for this weekend's local government election. A closure notice remains on the Shire website at the time of recording. And the town of Bassendine Council has paid tribute to its longest-serving councillor, Anne Brinkworth, who has died at the age of 85. Ms Brinkworth was a councillor for 26 years between 1988 and 2015 and received many awards, including the title of Honorary Freeman, bestowed in 2016. Now let's head across to New South Wales, where in Sydney this week a war of words has broken out between the New South Wales Premier and a Western Sydney Mayor. The Mayor of Fairfield, Frank Carboni, has accused Premier Chris Minns of not knowing his Sydney geography and trying to dump new housing on the West through the government's development reforms. As the Daily Telegraph reported, the Premier was quick to hit back, describing Councillor Carboni's comments as ridiculous and suggesting he was trying to mislead the public. The spirited debate followed the announcement of proposed reforms that will give developers an easier approval path for projects with more height and density in return for 15% designated social and affordable housing. A group of residents in the Georges River and Sutherland Shire area of New South Wales have launched a petition calling on the State Government to take action on what they describe as dodgy certifiers. They say the private certification system introduced in 1998 has morphed into an industry that is essentially unregulated, leading to the approval of unsafe and shoddy developments without fear of consequences, and they say local councils lack the resources to be able to intervene. Despite the There being thousands of complaints each year about private certifiers, only five have been disciplined by the Department of Fair Trading in the past three years, according to a report from the St George and Sutherland Shire Leader. The petition urging the government to fix the private certification system so far has 592 signatures against a target of 1,000. The City of Newcastle has been removed from the Supercars Championship program for next year after the Council and the State Government could not reach agreement on whether to hold the race for one year or commit to five. Newcastle Lord Mayor Nuitardi Nelms confirmed to ABC Radio this week that the Newcastle 500 has been called off for next year and it's unclear if the race will be held in the city beyond 2024. State Minister for Jobs and Tourism John Graham blamed the council for the loss of the race while some residents welcomed the news after years of campaigning to have the event moved out of the streets. In Queensland, a new councillor is set to be sworn in to Brisbane City Council. Penny Wolfe, a businesswoman and former teacher, is stepping into the position held by James McKay, who stepped aside this week due to the ongoing effects of long COVID. The Courier-Mail reported that Ms Wolfe will be one of 20 LNP members on the council, two thirds of whom are women. And the SEQ Council of Mayors has initiated targeted discussions with Metro Vancouver in Canada to establish a strategic sister-region partnership. The partnership aims to strengthen collaboration and cooperation between the two regions and exchange international best practices to shape the future of Southeast Queensland. At the same time, it's been reported that the Indian city of Delhi would like to be a sister city with Brisbane – Delhi Mayor Shelley Oberoi has said she was impressed with the sanitation and cleanliness management and preservation of built heritage when she was in Brisbane recently for an international summit and Mayor's forum. And in Tasmania, the ombudsman there has found Northern Midlands Council breached the Personal Information Protection Act after an employee's confidential documents, including medical records, were found dumped outside a post office. According to a report in the Mercury, the complaint was made in 2021 to the ombudsman, who found that the council had a number of deficient policies that allowed the breach to occur, and that while the matter had been investigated appropriately by the council, it failed to advise the complainant of the outcome. The Ombudsman made four recommendations for process improvement, which have all been accepted by the Council. Here are some national news briefs for you. Two council CEO positions have been advertised for the first time this week. At Shoalhaven in New South Wales, recruitment has started to replace Stephen Dunshay, who announced his retirement last month and finishes in February. Local Government Management Solutions is handling the process, with applications due by the 6th of November. And in Tasmania, the South East Coastal Council of Kingborough has invited applications to fill the CEO position, with GM Gary Arnold also retiring after nine and a half years in the role. He finishes in February and the LG Services Group would like to have applications in by the 13th of November. Edward River Council has signed a sister city agreement with Lozova City in Ukraine via video conference with the Ukrainian ambassador, His Excellency Vasil Miroshnichenko. The two cities share much in common, including a focus on the agricultural and industrial sectors. This is the first sister city agreement for Edward River Council and has been in the making since May 2022 when the community demonstrated their desire to provide support to Ukraine. The twin towns of Forster Tuncurry on the New South Wales mid-coast will be the next in the state to trial shared e-scooters. A 12-month trial will commence on the 15th of November. The devices will be geo-fenced and accessed via the Bird app. A movement towards lower speed limits in cities and towns around the nation continues, with speed limits on most streets in Darwin's CBD to be reduced to 40 kilometres per hour from the 1st of November. The Council expects the change to enable more street greening opportunities and create a more pedestrian-friendly environment. And limits on local streets in Western Australia's City of Vincent will also be set at 40 kilometres per hour. After a successful three-year trial, Main Roads WA will start bringing in the change Before the end of this year. Now, on the local government news roundup, it's time for the international spotlight. A five-term Marlborough councillor has been elected to the New Zealand Parliament and plans to do both roles for the time being, according to a report from Radio New Zealand. Jamie Arbuckle says he wants to save the council from having to conduct a by-election and will keep his councillor position until at least a year out from council elections, which are scheduled for 2025. Meanwhile, there will be a by-election for a vacancy on Hamilton City Council after Councillor Ryan Hamilton was elected to the Parliament as a Nationals candidate. He has formally resigned his councillor position, triggering a by-election to occur in February next year to the US and the Mayor of Bridgeport, Connecticut has appeared in court to testify in a hearing challenging the results of a Democratic primary election that he won by about 250 votes after absentee ballots were counted. According to the Connecticut Examiner, Mayor Joe Gannam has denied any involvement in the alleged absentee ballot fraud. The lawsuit was filed by his primary opponent, John Gomes, who alleges that Gannam won the primary as a result of absentee ballot fraud. Gannam maintains that he never spoke to one of the two women accused of stuffing ballots about handling ballots. The other accused woman is a former city council member and the hearing is ongoing. In the state of Maine, councillors at Lewiston City have removed their current council president over a dispute about meetings at a local bar, according to a report from television station WABI 5. Linda Scott accused a group of four council members of holding meetings at the bar to discuss city business, which she claimed was in violation of state law. Those four council members then used their majority to remove Ms Scott from the president position, replacing her with one of their number. Another councillor was censured by the council for public statements about the alleged illegal meeting. And the Mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, has come in for some criticism this week after admitting that he's been using artificial intelligence to generate robocalls in languages that he doesn't speak. Fortune.com has reported that the calls were used to promote city events and did not include any disclosure that the calls were AI-generated. Use of AI technology is coming under increased scrutiny, raising ethical questions and calls for greater regulation on how it is used by governments and media companies. Mayor Adams says he's simply using available tools to more effectively communicate with his constituents. And finally, an update out of the UK for this week. The financial crisis at the local government level there is deepening with fresh warnings that many more councils are at risk of bankruptcy. The Guardian reported this week that the local government association has written to the government describing increasing budget pressures caused by inflation and demand for social care. It said the inflationary storm has seen the estimated budget gap at English councils grow by an additional $1 billion since July. The LGA wants the government to use its autumn statement due next month to take immediate action to address the crisis and provide a more sustainable direction for council funding. The first report from commissioners at Woking Borough Council has been published. Woking is one of the council's under government intervention after it declared bankruptcy in June. The commissioners have drawn attention to the severity and uncertainties of Woking's financial position and have overseen the development of an improvement and recovery plan which will see a smaller, more efficient council focused on core service delivery. The Chief Executive, Julie Fisher, said savings have been identified to bridge a business-as-usual budget gap of more than £11 million, but that a laser-like focus will be needed to ensure delivery against those savings. And Hull has become the first UK city to grant a right to grow on unused council land, allowing community groups and individuals to cultivate fruit and vegetables. The council will produce a map of suitable land and help overcome obstacles like insurance and water provision in a bid to promote healthy local food and mental well-being. The Guardian reports that Hull's move follows a national campaign for a right to grow on neglected urban land, with a rising demand for allotments and a call for a national law obliging all local authorities to keep a register of potential growing land. sounds like a sensible and practical idea. Hope to hear more of it. That's the latest for you from the Local Government News Roundup for the 21st of October 2023. Brought to you by the Victorian Local Governance Association, the national broadcaster on all things local government. As always, you can find the links to the stories we've referenced in the episode along with a full transcript on our website at www.lgnewsroundup.com While you're there, check out Breaking News updates and learn how you can support the roundup by making a very small monthly contribution which you can cancel at any time we'd love to have you on board as one of our subscribers the local government news roundup is recorded in the city of greater geelong victoria on the land of the watawarung people of the kulin nation more of the latest local government news will come your way next week until then thanks for listening and bye for now Local Government News Roundup is proudly supported by Davidson. For 30 years, Davidson has been strengthening the local government sector by identifying and providing the people, expertise and experience that local government needs to enhance its capability, productivity and performance. Davidson is nationally recognised for its executive recruitment services and over the past four years has built a business advisory practice rapidly evolving into one of the nation's foremost and trusted local government business consultancy firms. The Davidson methodology and approach is simple. Thinking beyond now and aiming to be a valued partner with your local government, not just for the immediate project, but for the next 30 years. Speak to Justin Hanney or Seamus Scanlon to find out more or head to davidsonwp.com.au. Davidson, your future, your partner.